Damn it! I'm losing $20 million on this network. You guys need to figure out why I'm losing all this money on the WWE network. Oh, Dirty Dog McMahon. You need to put more of me, Triple Beverly, on the network. Put the title on me. Sledgehammer everyone, because I'm that damn good. So maybe having Triple Beverly as the 14-time WWE champion. 44-time. 44 times? Damn it, let's book it right now. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Bastry, Minnesota, moved all over Maine. Event status radio with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, Kino 210, and the Dirty Dog Welcome to Main Event Status Radio. I am your host, the Dirty Dog Darcy, along with Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210. How's it going this week, Beverly? Oh, it's going great. Another week in the summer. Fleeting. It's going away too quick. Yeah, summers always go by way too quick, especially with uh, the two guests that we have on this week. We have Fran Derry and Intern Lucas from WBCB 1490's Pro Wrestling Weekly. How's it going, guys? Not too bad. Uh, just finished our show here. Uh, not just any show, but the longest-running pro wrestling radio talk show in the history of terrestrial radio. Over 15 years on the air. Yeah. Awesome. Very excited to be on the show today. I was going to say, uh, if you guys, you, I like if you two can you know, let, let the fans know a little bit about your guys' uh, pro wrestling fandom. Oh, gosh. Where to start? Well, for me, I mean, I've been watching for 21 years and change now. The first event that... Well, the ball, I guess, kind of kind of clicked in my head was, uh, and I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but WrestleMania 9, April 4th, 1993, the world's largest toga party. <laughs> Hulk Hogan kind of snuck in and uh, became WWF heavyweight champion in a main event that he wasn't even advertised as part of. It was initially Bret Hart and Yokozuna, and it kind of stuck with me since. I was that guy in middle school who was getting made fun of for going to school wearing Bret Hart and Razor Ramon and Tatanka t-shirts. Um, then people, you know, those same people who were making fun of me were talking with me every week about what was going on during the Attitude Era with The Rock and Austin and, and Mankind and The Undertaker and everybody of that nature. Uh, took a bit of a leave during college or university right after and uh, kind of found my way back slowly but surely in 2005 with the release of the WrestleMania Anthology DVDs and then had the opportunity to take over as host of Pro Wrestling Weekly back in March of 2009 when Eric Gargiulo, the former host, went on to pursue other things with his Camel Clutch blog, and I've been hosting ever since for the last five years and change. The show started back in February of 99, so it's... Uh, over 15 years on the air. Because if I, if I remember correctly, Chris Shirk was the first guest with Gargiulo back in 99. That is that is correct and accurate, and I have no idea how the hell he did it, because I'd love to be able to do stuff like that. But with the Ayatollah rock and roll. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, how about you, Lucas? Uh, where did your uh, fandom start? 
to be honest, it it, it first started with uh, there's my friend Tommy. Um, he he and his brother Joey used to always have the the wrestling figures when I was like younger. I used to always come over and play wrestling, uh, play with the wrestling figures, and I used to uh, actually we used to play the video games. My mom was never a big uh, fan of us watching wrestling. Like my brother said, he used to be a huge uh, Goldberg fan back in the day. So, like he, I guess he was a uh, he watched. He, he didn't really know what he was watching, but he he liked Goldberg and Steve Austin. Those were his two big guys. Um, I started watching. I believe it was two thousand and eight or two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. Um, it was. I was in. I was starting to go into fifth grade, or I was in fifth grade. And I finally convinced my mom to watch wrestling. It was uh, right around, it was like the, it was after the Royal Rumble, um, heading into WrestleMania 24. Now, um, I, I, I also had a bit of a leaf of absence after Jeff Hardy sort of retired because I couldn't watch Raw. I, I could only stay up and watch SmackDown, so there really wasn't anybody for me to watch. And uh, I, I, I sort of started watching again on and off around WrestleMania 28. When The Rock came back to face Cena, I didn't see the WrestleMania, but I got WWE Classics, and I believe it was a year ago, um, Sunday, a year ago tomorrow. I met Ferran at the Oxford Valley Mall the day Shawn Michaels uh, came came to the Oxford Valley Mall, and uh, I, we started. We hit it off. I called in that Tuesday, and I was on the show that Saturday. Sounds like fun. Uh, so we might as well get into the topic for uh, this podcast for this week i wanted you know like i mentioned earlier i wanted to have all three of you guys on to talk about the wwe network which launched back in uh, february if i yeah the night after the elimination chamber at the target center here in minneapolis what was your guys's initial thoughts when you guys heard about the wwe network well i mean considering the huge library that wwe has it was certainly intriguing and i was one of those people I don't, I don't actually, at first I was hesitant. I was a little skeptical. I was, I, I wasn't sure mainly from a time standpoint, cause working two jobs with a full-time job and working here at WBCB, what time was I going to have to sit down and watch stuff that I wanted to watch, let alone stuff that I needed a refresher course on or be something, uh, so a tearjerker like uh, Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania Seven, or uh, just something for a quick laugh like the infamous uh, Harlem Heat promo at Spring Stampede '97. <laughs> oh, Logan, we coming for you? Yeah, you know the rest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How about you? For you, Lucas, what what were your initial thoughts? So rather not. Um, for me, I at WWE Classic, so I was our. To watch as much of the older wrestling stuff as possible. Um, when I had met Ferran, he said that I was a uh, had a lot of background knowledge, so I figured, you know, why not get a little bit more? And I actually, I didn't get it that February. I actually got it the next month. It was a birthday present for my brother. So um, as soon as that started, I started watching all the WrestleManias and and all of the like. I just I loved it. I remember watching the keynote when they said they were going to launch it, and I was just excited. How about you? How about you, Beverly? So I, ha- yeah, I was pretty skeptical too, kind of like Ferran, uh, same deal, because I had Classics on Demand on the computer. I don't know if it had a different name back then, but I had it and I never found the time to watch it. And I thought um, that this would be much of the same. And I was, so I was pretty skeptical until they 
um, announced that they would be showing current pay-per-views. And when they especially said that they would play WrestleMania on it, um, because I, I haven't bought a WWE pay-per-view for, oh gosh, like 10 years. So the prospect of getting, um, a new one for essentially $10 a month, that was intriguing to me. And that's what kind of hooked me in. Yeah, cause I know, yeah, for me, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Fran. I it's hard for me to make time to sit down to watch the WWE Network until the weekends. And and when I first heard about it, I was excited about it to be able to watch all the classic pay per views. I was from WCW, ECW, WWE that I hadn't watched yet because I think one of the last counts I had was I think I had over 200 pay per views on DVD. So I was excited to see the other pay-per-views. I hadn't got around to buying it on DVD. So I was pretty excited about that. I know you guys, I think you guys may have touched on a little bit about it. What's your guys' thoughts on the network being nine ninety nine a month? It beats the hell out of 50 bucks a month for the pay-per-view, the live pay-per-view, and then all the content on top of it. I mean, it's certainly a great value. But yeah, I mean, the the hours and hours of content that they have, uh, the, I'd look like one of those guys in South Park playing World of Warcraft, just trying to, get, <laughs> yeah, just exactly, just a almost a mini stroke on one side of my face, just moving the mouse button to or, or clicking the remote to whatever is going on, reeking of Mountain Dew and stale Funyuns, you know, just it's, that's about how that would go. I, I like the price of the network, especially because, you know, even with the six-month commitment, it's only 60 bucks, which, especially because that's usually how much I pay for a video game, I'm getting a lot more out of the network than I would be getting out of, like, on a Call of Duty. It's, it's especially for a wrestling fan, it's a good thing that it's this affordable because, you know, anybody can pay up 60 bucks for six months at this point. Unless you have, like, no TV, no internet, no money. but like No and, phone, no lights, no motor cars, not a single luxury. Yeah, but but even then, why would how would you be watching wrestling? So, it's like, if you're a real, if you're a wrestling fan, you could definitely fork up that kind of cash to, to watch. Yeah, I know there were talks, I heard talks from uh, the Wrestling Observer guys, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, about possibly the the price point might go up to, I think, like twelve ninety nine a month or fifteen ninety nine a month. Have any of the has anybody called into your guys' show to talk about that? Uh, this is, I mean, we the, the only speculation that we had heard was when they were initially looking to roll out the network before they had announced the ten dollar a month price. And at this point, ugh, it may just make WWE look bad if they put an initial increase after the six months because they're having enough trouble getting subscribers. Uh, a week from, th- or actually this coming Thursday is a, a big notable day because of that second quarter report, and they'll be able to say how many more people have signed on and subscribed since WrestleMania when they first made the announcement. It was at six hundred and sixty-seven thousand subscribers. Yeah. I mean, if that number, if that number isn't at least seven figures, that WWE stock's probably going to dip even more than it already has. Yeah, I th- I think uh, to go along with what you said, I think they should wait to the next period to raise the price. I don't know if they can get away raising it every six months. That kind of seems a little grubby to me. 
I know uh, another negative thing I feel like about the network is... I, know, I guess it kind of tied, it ties in with uh, CM Punk, which which was in the news last week or two about the wrestler payoffs. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts about the how the network changed the wrestler payoffs from the original pay-per-view payout to who knows what payout for from the network. Well, it's kind of, uh, not to get into a political discussion, but it is kind of a trickle-down effect that uh, if there's less money coming in, that means there's less money going out to the different wrestlers. There was actually, I forgot to bring this up on the show, apparently WWE is a, a very unhappy on how Punk handled, like how he, basically, there's some rumors for the grapevine that they're, they're I think they want to sue Punk for, term, for breach of contract, which, I mean, I don't know what you can do now that the contract is up, but... That's that's what I've been hearing through the grapevine on multiple uh, multiple occasions. Yeah, because I think I heard a little bit about that too. That I think WWE continue to pay Punk with with royalties the last six months, and and with him not you know not no showing the events. And I think W I think WWE's considering bringing him to court because of that. To try to get the royalty money back, or, or well, I guess I really can't remember too much about exactly what, because I think I listened to the podcast from Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, I think, two nights ago at work, and kind of like, I'm with you from that I get, don't get as much sleep as I need to, and I really don't recall too much about what was said, but I believe that they're, you know, since I think it's in the contract that they don't if the superstar or diva walks out like Punk did, they, WWE isn't liable to pay them the royalties, and WWE did just to cover their backside. And since CM Punk didn't live up to his end of the contract, WWE is considering bringing him to court because of that. Hmm. Well, Jerry McDevitt's going to be busy then, considering the uh, the, the class action lawsuit that uh, was just filed yesterday against WWE regarding the stocks. I talked a little bit about it on the show before coming on here, and... Uh, I don't know. It, I think it's one of those, there's smoke, but not necessarily fire. I, I really think it's just a chasing uh, a, a chasing attorney trying to make much ado about nothing, trying to sue WWE for projecting incorrectly or not projecting uh, or pro- over-projecting what they thought they were going to get as far as their TV deal rights. Yeah, for sure. I don't. I, another thing I want to talk to you guys about is, I guess one thing that's been kind of turning me away from the product, current product, is I feel like there's overexposure of the product. You know, three-hour Monday Night Raws, twelve-hour Friday Night Smackdowns. There's made event, made event superstars on the network, and it was on Ion Television, I believe, or other networks. I was wondering all three of your guys' thoughts on. If you guys feel like the product is overexposed compared to the the demand of the product, egregiously, yes. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Um, and one of my cons, or I don't even know what I'd call it, like one of the things that I would change about the network, like you asked us to kind of get that ready. I thought that um, having a consistent schedule on what like is always on just to limit that kind of overexposure. I think just when everything's being thrown at you at once, there's, you know, you watch raw from this week, watch SmackDown, watch main event, blah, 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 on and on and on. It can, it can get to be too much. 
Yeah, do you guys feel like, um, especially with not as much backlog shows are up on the network, like, it seems like Rouge to advertise, like, the Raws and Nitros from the Attitude Era. Do you guys feel like that hurts the current product at all, or hurts people possibly buying the network? I really don't think so. I think it's the fact the current product has nothing to do with, like, you can definitely watch current product and still want to have a bit of a nostalgia run and watch, you know, Raws from the Attitude Era. What I'm really excited but I'm a bit frustrated about is they advertise for the Monday Work show, and they haven't, like they said, oh, we're going to put it on soon, but they haven't given us a date, they haven't, nothing. I, I'm, that's the one I'm really excited for is the Monday Night War, because I never, like I was just like a little, I probably wasn't even thought of for most of it, so it's like, I really want to re- to see what made re- the wrestling business when it was in its prime. Because I, one- I think they had one show, I think within the last few Monday nights of the Monday Night War show, uh, show uh, on, I think right away after Raw, that I don't. I, if I remember correctly, they aired at least one episode and did not even put it up in their catalog. If I remember correctly, it almost seemed like a teaser, like a preview. Yeah. I think they did that uh, the same night that Sting was announced as part of the WWE 2K15 video game. No, it was a week before. It was a week before. Okay. Yeah. What did they have after? It was something with Nitro then. Maybe like the best. Well, of I think the best of Nitro or something like that. So yeah, what what is your guys' thoughts on? Stan signing a contract and with the company. Isn't he in like NXT as somebody right now? I no. I don't you think saw, so. Saw that meme of somebody putting him in as Borden Stevens is probably what. To, no, that was that was just a gag saying that now that Sting's in WWE, he's got to start over essentially, even though he's been wrestling for thirty years. And that's that's just that was, that was somebody on the internet having fun. Okay, that that that, that no, got that me. that was. Yeah. I'd like to see Sting in a ring. That that rhymed. Um, but like because I don't. Is that a thing? Yeah, I Would guess. Would it be it, just for a fling? A fling, the thing, the fling. A ring a ding ding. New the new book written by Doctor C called uh, "What's in My Gym Bag." Um, that was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I forgot I, I as messed, penned by Vincent Kennedy McMahon yeah. apparently, but it's a uh, I I I want to see him perform because I didn't watch Impact that much so I don't watch TNA that much I mean I'm trying to now that the Hardy Boys are back but I really want to see like Sting wrestle. The only TNA that you're looking at is AJ Lee, Paige, Summer Rae. What the were they all in Impact on Impact? That's a joke. That yeah, right over the top. Yeah, so, so yeah, do you guys think... Okay, with, okay. With, I see it now, I see it now. Do you guys think with Steen's have, being with the company now, do you think that would help with, like, back shows of Nitro or Thunder or or uh, the Saturday Night? Do you th- feel like with Steen with the company, do you think that would help WWE upload old WCW shows with him in it? Well, I don't think there's a huge clamoring for back episodes of Thunder. I mean, <laughs> the most notable episode of Thunder is one of the most infamous occurrences in professional wrestling history of David Arquette winning the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. There's not really a lot to go on there. The, the, the other one is the one where 
Nash had just been fired as the booker, and then he sits in on commentary. You ever watch that one? No, uh, but I heard about it. He's the whole the whole episode. He's just crapping all over everything, and uh, you know, as because it was his out the door uh, episode. So it's notable for kind of car crash uh, viewing. Just so bad, it's entertaining at some points. Exactly, but that's pretty much all you're uh, getting out of that. And I guess WCW Saturday Night had a place, but I, I think that's getting really into the obscure. That'd be like WWE uploading old episodes of Superstars of Wrestling from back in the <laughs> or heaven forbid, the Action Zone from '95. <laughs> for that, fair enough. Fair enough. I know. The, I... One, the one I had one point. The one good thing I think about adding. Sting or yeah, you know I think Sting exemplifies the most because um the one good thing that adding him could be when you look at a lot of like the WCW retrospectives, there's no positive. It's almost all people saying, Oh god, how bad WCW was, how great it was that WWF beat him. Um, and they're looking at all kind of the junky aspects of WCW. And I think having someone who never left WCW to provide those kind of retrospectives might um, make those better. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. What do you guys think about that front and Lucas? I think that makes a lot of sense. It's, but it's the fact that like, how much is he allowed to talk about WCW with like with Paul Heyman? There was an interview with him. Um, like, how much are you allowed to mention the former competition, even if WWE's bought it out? Like, Paul Heyman, there was an interview, and he was done talking. He's like, do you have any more questions? And the guy, like, can we talk – guy said, can we talk about Paulie dangerously? And he's like, actually, I think I have to go. Like, he, he sort of, like, ended it right there. Like, I don't know. Like, do you think people can – like, how much are you allowed to mention about past glories? That's an, that's an excellent point. I think that's a fantastic point you make. Uh, maybe those guys do want to talk more about the good stuff they just aren't allowed to. I think you're right on there. So I feel like they should be able to talk about the glory days from like the 80s or the 90s or what, or even the early 2000s. But yeah, I think feel, feel like it's a little bit of a crock of crap if they that they can. <laughs> yeah, well, they can. Taboo that went on even uh, with the Hall of Fame speeches this year. The Ultimate Warrior kind of breaking that barrier down talking about the ww and he said f and then cor- quickly corrected himself to e and then threw in uh i wish they'd put the f and f back in uh, i loved that line and i I'm, I'm glad that the crowd in the hall of fame uh, in attendance popped for that well talk about the ultimate warrior that was i guess the war- warrior and his death was one thing i wanted to talk to you guys about do you feel like wwe capitalized on his death and is him accepting to be in the Hall of Fame for the network? Well, I, I mean, I think a lot of that is hard to say because how how much did the Ultimate Warrior know as far as how much time he had left? I mean, the, just the eeriness surrounding his passing, the fact that mere days after being inducted into the Hall of Fame, he suffers the heart attack, and of course the eerie, infamous speech that he gives on Monday Night Raw the night before his passing, did he know he didn't have a lot of time left and realize that he had to mend fences? 
uh, how much of it was you know political, how much of it was financial, how much of it was getting his legacy out there and transforming it from the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior that WWE had put out a few years prior to... The Ultimate Collection. The Ultimate Collection, yeah. showing, showing Warrior in a positive light right before his passing. So I don't know if it was... I don't think it was exploitative to the degree of, let's say, the Eddie-sploitation of 2006 following Eddie Guerrero's death. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And um, just the... the th- the quickness at which all the Ultimate Warrior stuff came out makes it think to me that all that stuff was already in the works anyway. Not like they, uh, oh, Ultimate Warrior's dead, let's get all our Ultimate Warrior retrospectives on. I think it seemed as if that stuff was already in the works. Yeah. It's also, like, I, I feel like, what, what was I going with here? Um, It's... People were saying that he was in the like. People were saying that he was going to make a return of the ring, which I didn't think was going to happen. But oh no! By that point, I mean his knees were shot, and but people were saying though, because I and I I was skeptical about him, and, and like even if he did survive, like people even if he did like lit, I don't why I don't know why I said survive, but even if he did like even if he didn't have a heart attack, even if he didn't die, like. People kept saying, "Oh, he's going to make a return. He he looks in great shape." But just be like, look at Austin. He looks like he's in great shape, but his knees are knackered. So is his neck. Like, but people are still clamoring for that one comeback. They're they they want that one more match. Yeah. They want to, yeah, they they want to be able to to finish things. I guess get some sort of closure. I guess because there wasn't that farewell tour. Oh, yeah. talk about the farewell tour. I want to also get your guys' thoughts about. The Undertaker's streak ending at WrestleMania 30. Uh, do you, I I heard mixed rumors that it was Vince that wanted to end the streak, and it was Vince that came to Paul, Brock, and Taker mere hours before their match, the day was, of WrestleMania. I want to get your guys' thoughts about Taker's streak ending, and did Vin, could Vince wanted the streak to end to help boost up the network? Ooh, um... Well, there, there are a lot of factors that are involved. That's one that I didn't think of. I think a lot of it is we, as fans, may have taken The Undertaker's age and health for granted. Because I, I, know, I know in our show, uh, as well as a lot of others, people were already penciling him in for WrestleMania 31, 32. Versus staying in, like, all those people. Uh, yeah, there, there was a lot fantasy booking going on and we have to realize this is a man who's closing in on 50 years of age a man who has been wrestling for almost 25 years now actually over 25 over 25 yep our callous days and even prior to that in world-class championship wrestling down in dallas so there's (laughs) kind of like my 2001 toyota camry out there there's a lot of mileage on that and who knows how much longer it can go, or he can go. It's also the fact that even if Taker had won, he did not show up to that WrestleMania mentally. It did not look good. Like, if the match was great, don't get me wrong, but it just it, it looked like he was out of it. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think it was very good. The match itself up to the finish, that's for debate, whatever. But, um, yeah. He didn't show up to that WrestleMania mentally. He wasn't there. You can sort of 
well. Did it feel like he was going through the motions? I guess you could say, yeah. Like he was. It looked like he finally his age had caught up with him. So I feel like his last three WrestleMania matches with Brock, year, year before with CM Punk, and year before with Triple H, I feel like the last three WrestleMania pay-per-views that he's had were going kind of downhill phys- physically. I feel like the, the trip, I feel like the Brock match wasn't as good as the Punk match, and I feel like the Punk match wasn't as good as the Triple H match. But the Triple H match, 27 even, he had to be carried out of that. And I don't know if that was like a work or not, but he, even if it was a work when he had to be carried out of that arena, it did not. Like when he was getting helped out, out off up the ramp, oof, that, he, he didn't look good. Now here's a question I have for you guys regarding the Undertaker and WrestleMania matches and whatnot. Do you think that, um, st- I don't know, I guess even starting with the Edge matches, going back that far, um, do you think the pressures to have kind of these show-stealing matches actually sped up the end here? Because if you look at his first 15 matches, they're all you know, shorter, kind of against the monster of the year as we get to Michael's edge, um, Triple H, he's expected to have one of the, you know, top two or three matches of the show. Do you think that actually kind of sped up the end of his career? Hmm. Well, I don't, not, not all of them were necessarily against monster of the, the, you know, it's true for the week. I mean, uh, he had, I think a little bit of that had to do with the, era that Vince doesn't want us to talk about, the motorcycle era. Uh, yeah. Matches against the likes of uh, Ric Flair, for example, Triple H, the first of three times around. Yeah. Uh, not exactly, but yeah, I know, you're, you're talking more of the cartoony days where he'd have, you know, King Kong Bundy. Shake, uh, Jake the Snake. Shake, Superfly Shake uh, well, I meant more Giant Gonzalez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first time around, he was one of the curtain jerkers for WrestleMania 19. That was like one of the first, like this. That was like the second match in the card. Maybe he had somewhere he had to be that night. Because I feel like uh, that was with Nathan Jones involved, right? That was WrestleMania 19. Yeah, I think I think I would put that as early as possible too. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like one of the first best matches Undertaker had at WrestleMania was WrestleMania 18 against Ric Flair. Okay. I feel like his. I think, I think that match was ten and zero for him. I feel like the previous nine matches he had really didn't matter as much. Well, once he got to to a double digit streak, people kind of realized, oh, we've got something here. It's not just oh, by the way, he hasn't lost at WrestleMania. Uh, you know, as a little fo- footnote or side note, it's kind of oh wow, this is a this is a, a pretty big deal. This is. Right up there with the marquee title matches. I think it was even WrestleMania 20 was like... Oh, with his return against uh, Kane? Kane. It wasn't... Like, I feel like it really started to get big at WrestleMania 23. But, like, it it was... Like, you really started to see something at WrestleMania 20. From 20 to 23, that was when they were, like... You were really starting to see, like, oh, wow, okay. Oh, this is a streak. This is the Mm -hmm. thing. Kind of like people weren't initially concerned about, you know, Goldberg's first, what dozen matches or plus it wasn't until he started getting into the you know 30s 40s 50s and going on over to over 100 matches of, of victories in wcw but when, when people made it like a big deal now i know this is out of uh, this this is all going on when you were you know just popping no, into but the i world. know about the streets <laughs> oh 
saw a lot of those matches with WWE Classics, he would go out and destroy most of these, and some of them were like jobbers, even. Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was a huge deal, and he became the U.S. champion, and uh, eventually the, the Goldberg-Hogan matchup was... That was huge. Oh, enormous, yeah. Oh, uh, why, why am I drawing a blank on the Dome? Um, on Georgia. Georgia Dome, of course. The Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Was it in the Silver Dome? No, no, it was not no Silver Georgia Dome. Dome in Atlanta. Well, that was supposed to be a Hulk Hogan joke from WrestleMania. Oh, oh okay. Uh, yeah. Bad joke. <laughs> no, I, I went along with it. I knew we were going I gotcha, with it. I gotcha. Well, that, was, that was the Superdome that he was confusing it with. Superdome, oh, Silverdome. Okay, okay. Uh, but talk about streaks. I know uh, one thing I appreciate what the network is doing, tying it back to the WWE Network, that the WWE uploaded all the WCW Clash of Champions up and are solely uploading the Saturday night's main event shows. Uh, what is your guys' thoughts? I don't. I guess not so much you, Lucas, but what is your guys' thoughts on WWE uploading those super cards from the 80s and 90s? Well, as a kid, not getting it, not getting the opportunity to be able to watch them because they were on so late. I mean, they took the uh, NBC Saturday Night Live spot for uh, for quite a bit of them. It's nice to go back and see what tied some of the pay per views together. Because I, I know if you're just watching the pay per views, if you go in succession, you go, "Wait a minute, this guy was getting booed last pay per view. Why is he getting cheered now?" Or you know, or vice versa. The set, that was because of something that happened on Saturday night in event that caused that change. So it, you're, it's able to tie some things together that you otherwise wouldn't be able to see. Yeah, can I can I jump in on that one? I yeah. I agree with you. And one of the one of the only things I'm missing from the network would be all the shows to tie together the pay per views. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. More and more Raws, more and more Nitros, hopefully, to be uploaded as well. Because it is sometimes hard to just jump into a Slambery 95 and know why why are these guys fighting um, without some type of context. So, I yeah, I really like the Saturday Night Main events for those same reasons. Well, you can always uh, subscribe to the Wrestling Observer newsletter, uh, Beverly, and uh, read up there from Dave Meltzer. No, thanks. <laughs> Fair enough. You can shoot <laughs> down my plug. That's fine. <laughs> but, well, I guess uh, another negative I wanted to talk to you guys about is, well, I guess, two things. Uh, how the network's, network is only available in the United States so far, and people needing a internet net, internet connection for to stream the network. Uh, I don't I... Usually on the weekends, I usually go to a laundromat here in St. Cloud, and one of the one of the employees at the laundromat I usually go to is a big avid wrestling fan, and her and I usually talk every Saturday when I go to do laundry about what's going on on current wrestling. And when she heard about the network, she was bummed out that it wasn't on the cable providers because she mentioned to me that she doesn't have that great of internet connection and internet speeds. And she feels you know it's pretty silly that it's internet exclusive. And I want to get all three of your guys' thoughts about it being based in the U.S. and it being on the internet. Well, all right, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll jump into this first. As far as the over-the-top format, 
I think WWE wanted to initially have it on some sort of cable providers, but the cable companies wanted too big of a piece of the pie. So right. they negotiations going on that. So they said, all right, to hell with you cable companies. We're going to do this ourselves. And now you see it's over all of these over-the-top formats, whether it's a, a PC, a tablet. Uh, I'm, I'm able to watch them right on my iPhone, for example. You know what the other thing is? I think with internet, if, if they did the WWE Network on cable, it would be a lot more limited. Like It would be like an upgraded version of WWE Classics, whereas you can get everything... Minus some of the shows they haven't showed, like that haven't like launched yet, you can basically get everything with the internet. It would be a lot easier than with cable, because with cable they they wouldn't be. I think that they wouldn't. They'd have a limit to the stuff they could release at any given time. Yeah, they can't just have all the pay per views and all the hardcore TV and class of champion clash of champions and stuff. It wouldn't be. They wouldn't be able to do that with Xfinity or Direct. And do you feel like that if it was on cable, they would only be able to do like a 24-hour live stream like they have on the network? What do you mean by 24-hour live stream? I don't know how the network has a live stream, and also you can go back to the library and watch whatever from, you know, if you want to watch a, a WCW pay-per-view from 1993, you can go to the WCW pay-per-view library and go to 93 and pick whatever pay-per-view you want. Do you feel like with it being on cable, you only be limited to the live stream? The, the the cable, it would be like how HBO, you have the on-demand, and then you also have like the the current listings. So I feel like the, the current um, order, it's like you could still stream this, an actual channel, but you'd also have the on-demand selection. You'd be able to get away with like live stream. have... have WWE or like uh, the I know there's uh, I guess one I know it's something that just popped to mind that I wanted to talk to you guys about about the current product is a tag team that I like to call the Dusty Boys at Goldust and Stardust I wanted to get your all three of your guys' thoughts on Cody Rhodes' transformation into Stardust and the Dusty Boys as a tag team I liked their chemistry when they were different. I'm trying. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Cody Rhodes fan. I don't know. The, initially, the Stardust thing was interesting, but I don't think they really have any idea what direction to take with it other than creepy backstage vignettes. It seems like that's all they thought through on it. Like, we could do some really cool backstage stuff, and they haven't really thought about where it's going to go. I mean, it's uh, to Cody's credit, I mean, he's a huge comic book and superhero and video game nerd. So he's, I mean, this is right in his wheelhouse. So, I mean, as far as the things that he's doing, it's very theatrical. It's very over the top. It's very... Uh, flamboyant that that's for sure i would have preferred it though if you wanted if he's a huge comic book fan you see how a lot of these guys like fall from grace that sort of like if he became more of like an anti-hero more gritty that i would have been fine with but it's the fact of like the he's trying to basically be a second gold dust like gold dust and blue dust except no blue meanie (laughs) no mommy and daddy and all that crap and ryan shamrock none of that 
So does that mean we're going to get Dusty Dust somewhere in the realm, if you will? Well, it would be fitting if Dusty Rhodes would yeah. be the manager if we, of if the we Dusty got, Boys. If we got Dusty painted gold, I think that would be the ultimate end of this. <laughs> gold and black polka dots. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. I just watched the pay-per-view where they found Sapphire that she had sweet, sold sweet out Sapphire. on him. Just oh. watched that one, like, yesterday. Yeah, want to say? Uh, rest, yeah, SummerSlam, yeah, 90, 90. From the Philadelphia Spectrum. You got it. I know you guys were talking about, you know, Cody Rhodes and comic books. I feel like it would be fitting if we talk about Super Cena in his 15 world title runs. I know I called into your guys' show earlier today and kind of mentioned about that. And uh, I, know I guess I really didn't want, to, didn't want to talk too much about it on air, so I wanted to save it for the podcast. Do you, does... The 15 world title runs that John Cena has had so far, does it mean as much to Ric Flair's 16? I don't know. The, the I feel like the number of reigns has taken over importance as opposed to the length. I mean, you, you, I mean, Jerry Lawler was what a, a thirty-nine time USWA heavyweight champion, but I mean, does that make him like one of the greatest ever? Not necessarily. Not, the, like Triple H says, that the man title doesn't make the man. This is true. I mean, comparing John Cena's title reigns to Ric Flair's, I don't know. I mean, John Cena, he's done it all with WWE, whereas Ric Flair. Of those title reigns, you know, some of them are WWE, some of them are WCW, some of them are WWE, others, and I think he had said uh, it's actually like 23 title reigns, but, you know, some of them aren't recognized due to various reasons. I'm sure you guys can mull over that better than I can, because I know there were some, like, over in Japan that were changed over and then uh, not recognized once they came back here to the States. Yeah, right. That's what, or there were ones that happened on tours where he would lose and regain them on the same tour, but they only counted it as one. Those like, are other oh, ones. I mean, if you look at that, Bob Backlund, I think, is a uh, three or four time heavyweight champion based on his, uh, what was it, Inoki in Japan that he had uh, in like 79 or 80, something like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, it, it all it all runs together after a while. <laughs> dates, too many. There, there's a lot rattling around in this nogger noggin of money. Yeah, because I know uh, something. Something I gave uh, all you guys uh, a little bit of homework for the podcast. Uh, normally, Beverly and I talk about a jobber, a main eventer, and a top five list. Beverly, do you want to talk a little bit about about that? Yeah. So usually we just do. Uh... Um, MVP, so most valuable, which would be the main eventer, the jobber, which is like least valuable, and then we do top five. So and, yeah, and for the top five for the WWE Network, I know I mentioned at least to you, Fraud. I, I, well, I hope that you know you pass it to Lucas. If not, I'm sure Lucas can figure figure stuff up on top of his head. Uh, for the top five list for this episode, we want to talk about the top five shows of the WWE Network. And uh, I thought, you know, it would only be fitting to talk about the jobber first. And uh, I may also go first about to say who my jobber is for the WWE Network. And it has to be the WWE stockholders. Because uh, I think right around the time, Fry, you might be able to 
say uh, say it better than me, but I think right on the time when the network was launched, the stock was about three dollars a share, and and we uh and in the show yeah I checked yesterday Friday and the stock was down to uh, twelve thirty nine per share. Oh yeah, I'm still here. Oh, so we must uh, we must actually drop. Okay, do you have me back on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. I don't know. The call just dropped. Yeah, because I know I thought I heard the Dino the drop, but you know, then I checked and yeah, you, you guys were off. No, we heard talking and all of a sudden silence, and then it's like, uh oh, did we did we lose them? And then all of a sudden. Well, I might as well, you know, kind of repeat my point again. Uh, my job was is the WWE stockholders. Because yeah, uh, you know, if I remember correctly, right around the release of the network, it was about three dollars a share, and as of yesterday, Friday, the shares is down to twelve three nine a share. So I feel like the jobber, the jobber of the network, has to be the stockholder. Well, uh, wow, that's uh, that's certainly a good one. Um, man, it's, there's there are so many things. I, I almost. I almost want to give it to the writers just for making us endure so much. I, mean, I could almost give it to the writers every week, but um, <laughs> in this case, I almost want to give it to whoever thought it would be a good idea to let Lana go out there and talk about current events that were a thinly veiled reference to the uh, Malaysia Airlines MH17 tragedy. <laughs> about as thinly as possible. <laughs> if it were any thinner, it'd be puking in a in a bathroom, uh, puking up lunch. <laughs> Whoa! Hey, yeah, I'm, I, I'm off the air now, though, and the filter's pretty much gone. So, uh, hey, that's cool. I'm with it. I was gonna say, front. I think I need to have you and Lucas on more often because of that. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, that was I. What are, what are they thinking with current event stuff? I, I actually, you know what? That'll be my jobber is political talk through the last thirty years. <laughs> Eric and I have talked about. Um, last week there we talked about a '93 RAW, and it was right after the Clinton inauguration. And uh, the talk on there was, you know, of course, very even-handed, very uh, well done, just like this Malaysia Airlines stuff. So, as as you, since you could watch the last thirty years of WWE programming, you can really see their uh, lack of nuance on political matters. Well, I mean, they they found a way to kind of uh, needle Clinton a few years later when uh, DX had the mock press conference. Mm-hmm. Which- yep. I what? swear, I did not sleep with a young intern. In fact, I was up, up all night. <laughs> Sorry, Lucas. Uh, no, I, I got it. <laughs> uh, okay, you sick fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. 45 minutes into the podcast and we got our first expression of obscenities. I don't know if that's allowed or if that's going to get bleeped out later. Oh, it's, it's allowed. It's allowed. I talked to oh. the powers that be in <laughs> iTunes and... You're okay with it. He is. <laughs> Powers the P. And then first of all, I just want to say, fuck Bo Dallas. I thought you believe. 
Oh, fuck off. I do he not is, he is He is so anti-Bo Dallas. Anytime I throw any kind of reference on there, I'm immediately given a look, possibly a middle finger, and apparently today he leaned heavily on his own cell phone or iPod-induced bleep button. So, Lucas, uh, you would have to say Bo Dallas is your jobber for the network? <laughs> Why it's a jobber of the, the, the... Well, I would... I'd have to say, like... More of like a because I wasn't thinking network. I was thinking like job of the week just in general. Bray Wyatt, like I said, he's been losing momentum left and right ever since he lost to Cena. Cena's like, can I add him as in like an honorable mention? Yeah, sure. In regards to B- Bray Wyatt, he's got the whole <laughs> world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. I'm I'm too sober for this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But Bray Wyatt completely, like, even with Battleground, and it may just be the fans' fault, but, like, for God's sake, he's losing momentum, like, quickly. Like, it's going downhill. And that's bad, because downhill's usually the fun part, but there's nothing fun about this right now. He's not getting the pop that he's supposed to be getting. And Jericho winning at Battleground, it's like, Jericho's, again, Jericho's the guy that's supposed to be putting people over. Yeah, definitely. But if you see too much of that, like we saw it with yeah. Rob Van Dam, where he was losing to everybody, and it got to the point where wins over Rob Van Dam don't really mean that much. Yeah. So you have to give, you know, in this case, you have to yeah. give Jericho a couple of wins to show, okay, this is still a credible guy. This is still a former unified heavyweight champion yeah. who beat Austin and The Rock in the same night to win that title. Yeah, but yeah same- I don't know if Wyatt's the guy to have him beat, though, to gain that credibility back. Because as Lucas alluded to, Wyatt losing to Cena already kind of stopped him dead in his tracks. So I think he needs to he needs all the help he could get. Well, there's that hangover effect, and this is a generational thing, where when you lose to the guy, whether it's John Cena in this generation or Hulk Hogan from the previous generation, there's a while where your career kind of flounders. I mean, look at the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase post-1988. Look at Randy Savage post-1989. I mean, it took a while for them to find their ways. And in DiBiase's case, you could argue, well, I don't know if he ever really found his way after getting out of that main event scene. I mean, look at look at Earthquake in 90. Look at Sid in, in 92. Uh, well, I guess you could say Warrior. Uh, well, Warrior beat Hogan in nine. Yeah, he never really lost him. Yeah, and then I mean, Hogan br- uh, allegedly brought Warrior in in '98 into WCW to get his win back. Now, as I say, I question that since everybody did find their way after losing to Hogan in with Billionaire Ted in WCW. Uh true. But I mean, as far as as being in that title picture, I mean, King Kong oh, yeah. Bundy, he went from main eventing against Hogan in WrestleMania two to competing in a six-man tag match with uh, with a couple of midgets. Yep, or if you talk about Orndorff from the oh, time Mr. around WrestleMania 1. Roddy Piper. Was another, yeah, Roddy Piper was another one. He never really, he was in the main event of WrestleMania 1. He, what, did he ever have a world title? No. 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 Uh, he held the Intercontinental title for a couple of months in 92. Uh, from from the Royal Rumble to WrestleMania of ni- uh, WrestleMania yeah. eight in ninety two, and he and Flair briefly held the tag titles in gosh what was that two thousand six or something like that? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yes, that's right. How's that for a flashback? <laughs> well, you know how we uh, got off topic about a jobber. I think we should tie it back into a picking our main event status star, our main event player for the network. And I, I have to pick my main eventer has to be any fan from any era of the product. You know, like with you, Fran, being a you know growing up in the '80s, and you know, for Beverly and I, we were fans of the WWE, WCW of the '90s, and Lucas of you know, fan of today, I feel like the network can be perfect for pretty any fan of any era if if and when all the video library gets uploaded to the network for, you know, I can watch all, all Ross from 93 up to, let's say, 2012 if I wanted to, or all the Nitros, and I guess if I really have all that extra free time, all the WCW Thunders. <laughs> Nobody has that kind of free time. That is true. I'd say my main event for main eventer for the network right now, Steve Austin. Really, and this is just because in my personal experiences of people that like that I've been talking to that like outside of like PWW that I've been like talking to like oh what matches have you been going back to see and a lot of the, the people even like some of the young like kids my age have been going back and saying like oh I want to see Austin Rock, I want to see Austin versus like the Austin Rock matches were. Like a lot of these, a lot of the people I know are saying that's what they want to watch. They want to go back and watch. And I, I started watching. I saw WrestleMania 15 versus the Stone Cold Rock last a uh, couple weeks ago, and I'm thinking I'm gonna watch 17 and then 19, like, cause the, that was just just the fact that they want to see the attitude in, in general. Steve Austin, they want to see him again. Only thing I say about Steve Austin is what? Oh God. <laughs> that probably one of the worst. Uh, I think I saw something in kayfabe news that uh, Austin, re- you know, jokingly regretted what catchphrase started. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's and it's still reaching to today and ruining stuff. I know Stone Cold has mentioned on his podcast too about that that he that all started you know, with uh, leaving a Christian a voicemail and him throwing around what during the voicemail and yeah, like said that he regrets nowadays because it's lingering what 13 or so years later I think was it 2002 was when that started I think during the invasion so I think that would have been 2001 I don't know was it was that post invasion I mean that would have been December of 01 hmm. I want to say it was during I want to say he threw it at uh, hurricane during or the pre-hurricane during the invasion stuff Oh gosh, that a lot of that time period I try to forget. Yep, exactly. That's uh, some purposeful forgetting. I would agree with you on that one. But I love that invasion storyline. Come on, guys! Oh, it's awful. <laughs> like I try not to remember DDP as a stalker. Oh it's gosh, not a, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Well, that was good, but that was after that. <laughs> the the stalker stuff was just so bad. Eighty Vic was that oh. Triple H is some of the worst like everything he's involved in is some of the worst that it's I've a, experienced it's touch <laughs> yeah everything he touched turned to brown <laughs> yes it did yes he yeah, had the reverse Midas touch yeah that explains a lot about what happened to Stephanie on Monday Night Raw this past week, then. Oh, Lord. 
two weeks ago. Nine months from now, we'll have kid number four on the way. <laughs> but also, we might as well go into the top five uh, shows for the WWE Network. And uh, Beverly, you want to start out with your number five? Um, yeah. So I just kind of did like categories. I don't have like a specific one. Um, so I would be my five would be watching Clash of the Champions. I think it's something that I really missed most of, if not all of. So it's good uh, reaching back and looking at those. I guess uh, for me, I'll jump in and do my number five. I guess I threw in a, a couple Pacific pay per views that meant something to me when I was growing up. My number five has to be WCW Halloween Havoc 1993, solely on the on the lines of the main event match between Cassius Jack and Vader in a Texas Death Match. How I felt like that was one of the first brutal matches that I remember when I was growing up. Huh. I was gonna say I, I think oh, did we lose you again? No, no, we, we still oh, got you. No, we're still there. I heard dead silence. I'm like, oh no, not again. No, yeah, we're still. Did you? No, we're good. Do you guys hear our, our top five picks? We network. <laughs> do you guys hear our number or top five picks? Yeah, and I'm quickly and feverishly because uh, kind of like back in school, I'm doing my homework last minute. <laughs> well, that's fun. Take your time. Together in my head here. Yeah, we're not live, so you're fine. Oh, oh, this isn't live. I'm used to. <laughs> I'm like Bill, o- Bill O'Reilly. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Love that sounder. Yes, that's a good one. Oh, that that was a classic. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking like specific pay per views that I'll always go back to, and that's kind of what what jumps out at me. Just because there isn't really any specific thing on the network. I mean, I like Countdown, so I guess I'll make that number five. Uh, I, I, some of the one, the, the one that jumped out at me, and I actually kind of did my own top ten list on Countdown, and then watched the episode was uh, the managers. And to my credit, I had all ten, just not in the right order. That's impressive. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, there's a pretty steep drop off once you go past ten, because then you get. I mean, um, some of the ones that didn't make the list, for example, were like slick. For example, that was the first one I thought of. <laughs> what do you thought of like a not top ten? Uh, that would be. What do you one. think of not top ten managers? Yeah, brother. Oh, oh God, Jameson. <laughs> oh. oh, he hitted me. Oh, ninety-two. The state of you, Lucas. What would, what had to be your number five? Five. I'd have to say WrestleMania twenty-five because that was my first WrestleMania. I watched it on pay-per-view, and it was great to go back and watch it again and, like, relive, like, you know, watch, especially because it was Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, number one, and that was such a great match. And then Jeff Hardy versus Matt Hardy in an Extreme Rules match. That was just, like, I was marking out again. The best thing about WrestleMania 25 has to be Chris Jericho defeating the three wash-up has-beens in the 301 handicap match. Oh, oh, no, hold on a second now. Ricky Steamboat had a great, he could still move. He was moving pretty well. Like, he did a... He was doing like Hurricane Rana's. Compared to uh, compared to other uh, elderly folks in the nursing home, yeah, he moves pretty well. That uh, that I think was the surprise of the show. I mean, you <laughs> expected Piper and Snuka to give you almost nothing, but Ricky Steamboat heading into that hadn't wrestled in fifteen years. Yeah. I think his last match was in nineteen ninety four. So. 
the fact that, I mean, he still kept himself in good shape and I guess when asked said, yeah, I could go about 70% of what I could 15 years ago. And people are going, holy smokes. I mean, yeah, you 70% were, were my ass, right? <laughs> to be able to do 70% of that. And he, he went out and did it. That got him yeah, a single match with Derek in month. Yeah, so I'll bet what you want to do. You're number four for um, Okay, I generally I wrote down current pay-per-views, but I guess specifically I'll say WrestleMania this year. It was a great show, and it was um, great being able to watch it. I Like I said, I haven't bought a pay-per-view in 10 years, so it was great to be able to see that and kind of keep up with the current product, which I haven't really been doing much. So, yeah. Understandable. I don't really want to talk about that quite yet, but uh, for me, my number four has to be the WWE Great American Bash from 2004, where JBL won his WWE title from Eddie Guerrero, which I believe if it wasn't for Eddie Guerrero, I don't think JBL would have been taken as seriously, I guess if people want to say he wasn't taken seriously at all, as WWE champion. That was a weird transition period for WWE. Yeah, what? coming off of WrestleMania 20, it yeah, was. Having, having no mid-eventers, or having bun, you know, some mid-eventers down to how to bump up Brasha, who was a tag team specialist for years. Yeah. yeah he, was in one, he was in one of the opening tag matches, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in the Fatal 4-Way for the SmackDown tag team titles at yeah, WrestleMania then, 20. And then in two months, he's champion. Yeah, oh, in three months, he was champion. Three months, okay. Yeah. It was a long, long crawl from uh, Justin Hawk Bradshaw back in the day. Oh, yeah. With his cowbell. With the future Zeb Coulter at his side. Uncle Zebekiah back then. Yeah. Yes. Back then, he was was Uncle Zebekiah. Uncle Zebekiah. Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Back in the Duke the Dumpster Drozzy and Man Mountain Rock days at the WWF. I just watched a Man Mountain Rock guitar solo match. <laughs> so, Fran, uh, what would be your guys' number four? Oof. Um, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm like, uh, I've already got three of my, my four uh, just kind of work here, but um, the fourth one is kind of the one where I'm going, eh, I, I don't know. I, I guess... I'm trying to think of something that would be like so bad that it's good that I would just go back and watch over and over again. I guess in that regard, I, I'd have to say just because I'm a glutton for punishment, WrestleMania 11. Ooh, Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Bam Bam Bigelow and Lawrence <coughs> Taylor. Lawrence, yeah. LT. With the performance you'll never see. Harry Strider. Well, no, no, that, that that was no. I don't think they're putting old WBF episodes on uh, on the network. Yeah. <laughs> was it Lux Luger and Bulldog take teaming up in, in, during that mania? If I remember that, correctly, their match, yes, the Allied Powers or yet to be named Allied Powers, Luger and the Bulldog against Jacob and Eli Blue, managed by Uncle Zeb. Uncle Zebakai. <laughs> Go on, Zeb Coulter. <laughs> All over the place. Yeah, the, the tie that binds. 90s. So uh, I have to say my number four, uh, Money in the Bank 2013. 
because this is another one. I that, You were that, there. Yeah, that was the first pay-per-view I'd ever gone to. My dad, he said, if you basically, if you passed all your classes, and if you worked your ass off in school, I'll get you tickets. And he didn't just get me tickets, he got me box seats. Wow. wow. Yeah. Because I worked my ass off for school, and I, my brother and I drove down, and we were so excited. And part of me didn't think that this was actually happening. Like happening, like I thought that we were at some point our car was going to break down, or or the bridge we were going over was going to collapse. Because I didn't think. Just my luck was like, I usually have shitty luck. So to go to that and like nothing bad happened. Oh, it was, it was great. What do you mean you have shitty? You're interning for the longest no, run. For- no, no, but on other occasions. <laughs> on other. On, on other, but like I gotta say, for a close second for number four had to be a. Uh, oh, is this a tie or something? For yeah, four? for four. I don't know why. I'm just like there because there were so many other ones I wanted to talk about, but like uh, I think it was uh, ah, damn it, I just forgot about it. Come back to me. Well, while, while you're thinking about it, I'll I'll give a quick story here of my first in attendance pay per view, and it's another one where it's it's cringeworthy. 1995 King of the Ring. Ouch. With King Mabel. King Mabel, yes. And seeing Savio Vega compete not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. Ouch. He was a good wrestler, though. It's just the fact that... I know. I couldn't stand his music, though. Oh, wait. I remember, speaking of King of the Ring, I remembered my close four. The Birth of Austin 316. King of the Ring 96 from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yep. Austin 317 says, I'll just whip your ass. Austin 317 says, What? <laughs> Sorry, I had to drop that one in there. St. Patrick's Day? I didn't know Austin was Irish. Yeah, that's why he shaves his head bald to hide it. I still love the other spoof one from then. RVD 420 says, I just smoked your ass. <laughs> or uh, uh, Owen 316 says, I just broke your neck. Broke your neck. Yeah. I actually have that t shirt, yeah. the Owen 316 t shirt. I miss Owen Hart. God rest his soul. Yes. Ah, so we we might as well go to number three. Uh, Beverly, what's your number three? Okay, my number three is the watching the old Summer Slams. That's what I've been doing the last few weeks. Got through the early '90s. It's fun to go back when I was just a little one, five, six years old. Uh, yeah, in the first couple. Jesse Ventura, see, uh, seeing the fleeting duo of Jesse Ventura and Tony Schiavone is a little fun. So, yeah, so that's watching all SummerSlam. Oh, God, SummerSlam 89 with that pairing, yeah. <laughs> yep. Feel the heat. Yeah, I, and they just, it's funny to see that they they went on it in WCW to be a lot better, but, man, they were kind of butting heads in that 89 era. I don't know what was – I'm going to go off on a Tony Schiavone tangent for a second, but I, I, when I saw him come to the WWF, he had shaved that, like, trademark mustache of his. Now, wait a minute. When you were in you know, in Jim Crockett promotions and, and the NWA in the mid-'80s, you looked like you were in your late-'30s. You shaved the mustache, come over to the WWF, lose a couple pounds on top of it, and now you look like you're about 21. What oh, the yeah. happened? He lost well, several, several years. He went back in time with uh, Doc and Marty from Back to the Future. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, I, I assume so. He went back to the future and, and found renewed youth in the WWF. Yes. 
just so he could go back to WCW and proclaim every Monday night that it was the greatest night in the history of our sport. <laughs> Tony Schiavone, gotta love him. Well, I'm sure Atlanta does. Isn't he doing baseball talk for them now or yeah, something? Yeah, I think he does like play-by-play yeah. for Atlanta Braves or their minor league team or something like that, I believe. Yep. Yeah, and he's like their news guy during the day. Like he does like the news breaks on the sports station. Well, that's cool. Good for him. So I might as well go to uh, my number three. And something I like to do while watching pay-per-views is drinking a mill yellow during the current WWE pay-per-views. Because, you know, especially with Payback and Money in the Bank. Well, I guess Payback was better. I guess, yeah, Money in the Bank and Battleground. I wouldn't pay 50 bucks for the pay-per-views because I feel like they they under-delivered. And so paying 10 bucks a month, I really can't complain too much. Because if... It brings me back to the mid-90s of the in-your-house pay-per-views when they were like 15 bucks for 12-hour pay-per-views. You really didn't expect much. And with us paying 10 bucks a month for the network, I really can't expect the B, the B pay-per-views to be really, really that great. Yeah, well, oh gosh. The, the, I'm just thinking back to those days, those two-hour pay-per-views for 1999, if I remember right. The, uh, the original In Your Houses... Oh gosh! Then some of them were just. Uh, I mean, it was it. They didn't really get good until the um, uh, until uh, probably like '97. It all comes back to '97. Yes, it does. So what you guys had to be for your number three? My my three, and I'm I'm like my my three are, are very close. I mentioned it, I think, earlier. I forget if it was on the podcast here or on the air because the, the time has just kind of all run together. But um, I'd have to go with WrestleMania Seven: Superstars and Stripes Forever. Wasn't that with Hulk Hogan versus uh, Sergeant Slaughter? Yeah, I usually don't get that far. The end of the show for me was the reuniting of Savage and Elizabeth, which no matter how many times I watch it, it still brings a tear to my eye. It's good stuff. I'll, I'll never discount that. That's good stuff. It's one of the few things that, I mean, you felt the realness, I guess, behind it. I mean, that, that I guess, was their kind of last push to reconcile their marriage before they ended up divorcing a year later. Because yeah, I feel like that storyline well, yeah, that storyline had was one of the better Ultimate Warrior storylines. I feel like that match and the WrestleMania 6 match against Hogan were two of the best Warrior matches that he ever had. Accurate. Lucas, what's your number three? Number three has got to be the uh, Legends of Wrestling roundtable talk. With uh, It was usually it was either uh, JR or Mean Gene. Um, good old JR. They were either... Jeremy and Gene moderating. You had like the regulars were sometimes they had Taz, um, Cowboy Bill Watts. Um, you had uh, Michael P.S. Hayes. You had a lot of people, and they would talk like, "Oh, greatest." Um, it was sort of like countdown, but it wasn't a top ten like greatest factions, um, most bizarre characters, and it was just like just a roundtable discussion. Yeah, just like just it basically would be like just a bunch of buddies getting together talking wrestling. Like like now, and mm-hmm. it's just the fact that it it was just you know to see these guys and especially because they were back before I even like before like I don't really watch that much of the eighties. I definitely haven't watched any of the seventies era matches, 
but it's just like uh, it's in a whole lot of meter. Yeah, it's like what <laughs> having like and the fact that they were telling like funny stories. It's just like it's just great. Like it's, uh, Mike Graham keeps jumping out to me in those. Uh, all I can remember uh, my memory of Mike Graham. I, I mean, I've seen him doing the roundtables, but. That one interview where he talked about Jeff Jarrett, and he says, he broke a thousand guitars, never drew a dime. That just, I don't know, that always just jumped out at me, and I always crack up at that. Complete random aside, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. We <laughs> love running this here on the podcast. I like the, the Legends Roundtables, that's good with, um, hey, I think Michael Hayes stands out for me on those. It seems like he has a lot to do in a lot of those stories that you liked oh, Lucas <laughs> but yeah I guess we might as well go to our number two uh, for our list uh, Beverly what's your number two uh, my number two is watching NXT I really like NXT a lot and it's uh, it's a little disappointing that it seems like the guys from NXT aren't translating as well to the main roster as they were to the um, to the crowd at at full sale in Orlando. Fair enough. I know I haven't really got a chance to watch much NXT. Have you guys watched much NXT? A little bit for every now and then. Like when they had NXT Takeover, I definitely tuned in for that. But like, I'll be totally honest. Lucas has seen more than I have. I don't think the most that I've seen of NXT is the picture of uh, Monster Factory graduate Steve Cutler have his debut match a few weeks ago. Haven't even seen the match yet. Okay, well, I guess I'm also going to my number two for my list, and has to be the raw replays. I know, uh, uh, so far the uh, so far the podcast, we uh, Beverly and I have been go- covering like old older raws. We covered so far one from '94, one from '93, and going back, you know, sitting down for about 45 minutes watching an older raw, taking notes, and coming online and. Talked about with one of my buddies has to be probably has to be a lot of fun and has to bring me back to what I guess got me into professional wrestling. So I started to watch wrestling right around 93 94 era, and it's just fun being able to watch the old school Raws and hearing Vince be the play by play man and hearing guys like Rob Barlett, as crap as he was, Macho Man and Bobby Heenan, you know, rotating around doing color with Vince McMahon. Oh, savage! He's one of my, he's my favorite all-time wrestler, but his commentary—the state of it. Yeah, it was. It got to be pretty rough. A lot of just doing the thing. He's doing the thing in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the shaka bra. Oh. <laughs> That—that's you right on. A lot of that. A lot of crush talk. Crush shaka bra. Oh, corner crush, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, one of my my top two that definitely brings a lot of that into the fray. Not to not to give too many spoilers away. Okay. Hey, what's your guys' top uh, number two? All right, number two for me. I've got to go. This is right in my wheelhouse. Senior, well, going into my senior year of high school, ECW Heat Wave '98. Widely regarded as the best ECW pay-per-view in history, mainly because every match, if you go by uh, good old Dave Meltzer and his, uh, was, is it Meltzer who does the star ratings? Yes, you think the five-star rating. 
Yeah, every match was between a three to three and a half star match. So there were no clunk. I mean, there were no holy crap. You have to see this matches, but there were no clunkers either. They were all just better than average, just top to bottom. And the match that stands out for me in that was the tag team title match of Rob Van Dam and Sabu against Hayabusa and Jinsei Shinzaki, formerly known in the WWF as Hakushi. Good stuff, good stuff. I mean, there were some other great ones on there. Lance Storm and Chris Candido, Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome, and of course the six-man Dudleyville Street Fight main event of uh, the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, and Spike Dudley against Bubba Ray, Devon, and Big Dick Dudley. Bubba Ray! Yeah, back back before he was Bully Ray. It, it took every ounce of me to not go, don't say Bully Ray, don't say Bully Ray, it's Bubba Ray back then. <laughs> I have to say my number two. Um, no, you're good, good. I have to say my number two, and I don't know if, if this is on yet, but if it's not, I can't wait to see it. Um, the This Is Your Life segment. Oh, from Monday Night Raw from 99? I don't know if they have. The Rock, This May. Is Your Life segment. Mm-hmm. And you... Deny Rock his slice of cherry pie or something like that when he's you Poontang pie. Yeah, Poontang pie. You stop the Rock at second base. <laughs> it's just like if you like pancakes. Pancake your ass on out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a great one. Oh, rock great. is the great one. Yes. Take take that whistle, shine it up real nice. Turn that some bitch sideways. Oh yeah, with, with his coach, yeah. his old high school coach. <laughs> Initially, they were supposed to only go about like 12 minutes and they ended up going 26 or 14 minutes and they ended up going 26. They went almost double the length yeah. of the segment that it was supposed to go, but it was the highest rated segment in Raw history. Oh, yeah, which, you, was- which you gotta give them props for that. I mean, I'm sure backstage Vince was tearing his hair out. It's probably where he started going gray. Or did he still have the toupee pompadour back then? I think he had the toupee pompadour. Toupee pompadour. Toupee pompadour. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Beverly, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is to also watch the Raw replays. I really like watching the, like I, like I kind of alluded to earlier, I really like watching the context almost even more than the actual events themselves. I like seeing what led up. I like the uh, the cause, the causation <laughs> aspect of, of that stuff and see where uh, the steps leading up to the actual events Yeah, I just hope that uh, the I know they've been slowly uploading around uh, 1995 Raws. Be, I'm excited to have them upload more into 97 and uh, 98, for we can see more of Raws from the Attitude Era. Oh but, uh, no, 96 Pillman's got a gun. Mm, yeah. We'll be Pillman nine millimeter. Oh. I guess my number one has to be uh, Legends House. I that's what. One of the few, I guess, one of the few original shows that WWE put up on the network, and just I felt like the Legends House gave us a, a different side of the six guys that were in Legends House, and I'm sad that the uh, season one only went like eight episodes or so. I'm, I'm excited. I'm hoping that they tape uh, season two here soon, and just to see the cast of characters for season two. Yeah, they're going to keep this. I mean, I'm guessing they're going to have different cast members. I don't know. Will they have anybody under the age of 60? 
I don't know, but I, little while I heard that supposedly Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan are being there for season two. Oh, jeez. Hogan and, and Flair amongst... I, I, I'm sure we'll hear a lot of brothers and a lot of woos for season two. I think the big question is how many wives will Flair go through over the course of the season? Well, he's already went through four, so I assume at least two. Well, I guess that depends. His or other wives? <laughs> well, if it's otherwise, then I'd probably be more than two. Um, one for each world title he's held, at least. Yeah, so he would have to do another 12 to catch up. Flair oh, would have been a better uncle than he would have been husband. No offense, but it's just like, he's a party animal. Yes. What are, what are your guys' number one? <laughs> number one, and I, I mentioned it earlier just because, again, it's, it's so bad and good, and there's so much nostalgia for me, seeing it was the first ever pay-per-view that I saw on TV, WrestleMania nine. This has so much so bad it's good quality to it. Between, as I said, Savage's commentary, such classic lines like, Heenan, you're a figment of your own imagination. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, of of course, you know, the, the, the crush and, and doink match with the, the double doink. Doink brah, you're making kids cry, brah. <laughs> Uh, just, I mean, Sean and Tatanka was a good match. Uh, the, the Head Shrinkers and Steiners, Scott Steiner's botched Frankensteiner, that, that's a classic moment. Mr. Perfect being unperfect with his Lexorcist, the Lark, the, the uh, just, just so many, so many different memories. Four four and, and, and in uh, the, the Undertaker Giant Gonzalez match. And of course, JR and Atoga. His first appearance on WWF TV was him in a toga. Yeah, him, him, his WWE debut was the same as mine. Only he wore a toga and I didn't. But you were on Ritalin, so I guess that makes up for it. <clears throat> yeah, I guess I was on Ritalin now that I think about it. And I'm, I'm sure there are quite a few other things that, you know, that Savage being carried out in the sedan by the, and being fed grapes by the Vestal Virgins. <laughs> Oh, he didn't come out uh, backwards on the camel. On the camel, and um, for some reason, Savage lifting up Heenan's uh, toga to give everybody a, a, a shot of uh, of Heenan's ass in the grampy panties. <laughs> <laughs> Heenan's always great on making an ass of himself. <laughs> well, that was the thing. I mean, the way Heenan was bent over. I mean. Let's just say that Heenan proved that with, with, with some of the things that he said over the years that he has a huge sack, to say the least. <laughs> Figuratively and literally. Oh, Don't go back and look that up. Something that uh, you won't hear uh, on air on WBCB. Yes, no, this, this is... This is definitely bonus time. This is... Uh, I, I, if, if I were on air, I'd find a more colorful way to put it. I'd say that he definitely showed. That, I'd pull a line from Mean Gene that he definitely has the ball, the nerve to. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was that from WrestleMania six? I think where they they pulled that little. Yeah, that was after uh, Andre the Giant turned face. Oh, okay. After uh, he and the Colostomy Connection losing their tag titles. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're anything but regular guys. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas, what's your number one? The Hall of Fame. Oh. What What was your thoughts on Mr. T plugging his mama for 15 minutes? Mr. T and then the mammoths. Oh, no, yeah. not even that. It's just every Hall of Fame, you always see, like, you know, you get to see the stars. Sometimes you get to see the stars that, like, you wish you saw on TV, the stars that you did see on TV, and the stars that you didn't see enough of on TV. Like, the fact, especially the one that stands out in my mind was Edge's Hall of Fame speech. And mm. That was probably one of my favorites. And then Bobby the Brain Heenan's. When it's just like the fact that you laugh with these guys, you cry with these guys, even though it's only for like 15 minutes, some of these speeches, and you feel like you know them after that. And just like. Uh, yeah, he can't help but get choked up when he said, the only thing it's missing is I wish Monsoon was here. Or Gorilla was here, yeah. Or even mm-hmm. Jake. Like, unfortunately, we didn't get to see all of it because my internet in my living room is shitty, and, <laughs> and, and it cut out like halfway through. It happened during Lita's speech, too. And it's like well, hers dragged on mad long too. But at the same time, it's like you, I want to go back and watch uh, Jake the Snakes again because it, it was just an emotional. Just the it's just like a great comeback story for somebody like Jake. And like speaking of which, did you hear that he's uh, he just recently announced after having yeah, that cancer surgery, free. he's cancer free. Good for him. Well, good mm-hmm. for him. Congrats. Finally, a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's like and it's not attached to an oncoming train. <clears throat> yeah. Well, talk about Jake the Snake. By chance, have you guys listened to the Talk of Jericho episode where Jericho interviewed DDP and Jake the Snake? I think uh, from two Fridays ago. Uh, I have not. It's been a while since I've talked to Dally, but it's also been a while since I've done uh, done the DDP yoga. So I think they're kind of correlating. Okay, because I know. Uh, well, I'll switch with any listeners to the podcast. If you guys haven't listened to the interview that Chris Jericho did with DDP and Jake the Snake. I, I think it's about an hour and a half or so podcast. I highly suggest it. I I definitely learned a lot from hearing uh, Jake the Snake and DDP talk about their experiences uh, with uh, Jake the Snake becoming sober. Yeah, that's fantastic. But I guess uh, it's towards the end of the show, and I want to give both of you guys some time for plugs. Okay, who am I plugging? Uh, Got any names for me? Lucas? Well, no, I'm not going to plug Lucas. He's 16. But yeah, if you guys want to plug uh, any social media, DCB, PWW, and all that. All right. Uh, Well, of course, there's the WBCB Pro Wrestling Weekly, which you can hear myself and Lucas Saturdays from noon to 1 Eastern, which I believe local Minnesota time there would be... 11 to noon. uh, Noon? Yeah, Yeah, 11 to noon. 11 to noon, okay. And, of course, you can hear that worldwide at WBCB1490.com. And if you're in the suburban Philadelphia area, it's on 1490 AM. Earlier, it is the longest-running pro wrestling radio talk show in the history of terrestrial radio, over 15 years on the air. And can uh, people follow you on Twitter or anything, Efron? Yes. Uh, not that I have a whole lot of followers and not that I'm a huge tweeter, but every once in a while I tend to feel like a twit and start twit tweeting, twatting, whatever it is. Um, but that is at Ferran Derry. That's F-E-A-R-O-N-D-E-R-R-Y. And you can also uh, check out check me out on Facebook, Ferran Derry, as well. And, yeah, there's the WBCB Pro Wrestling Weekly Facebook fan page. You can give that a look as well. I well, think that. 
of my promotions and shameless fuckery and things of that nature. I, I really don't have any plugs, you know. I'm not really big on social media. Well, well, like the fan page, yes, but, you know, just, I really don't have anything to plug, so, uh... No, not going to throw your Twitter out there? Nope. Not, not, not a tweeter? I, it's just, I, I don't, like, I, I, I only, I don't know, I'm only talking to people on social media that I'm, like, actually close with. Ah, okay, keeping a close inner circle, I got gotcha. you. It's, it's just the fact that there's so much, like... There's so much shit out there, I know. Shit out, outside of it, and it's like, if I don't really know you that well, why am I even talking to you? Makes sense. Yeah. Well, on the same course, token, how do you get to know anybody then? At the, that's true, ah. but it's the fact that I talked to you a couple times, but like, it's better face-to-face. -face. We're going on a rant. It's been a pleasure a tangent, being on yes. It's been a pleasure being on the show. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh... Beverly, uh, Beverly, you want to uh, plug your so your Twitter and all that? Yep, uh, Beverly Hills M E S is where you find my Twitter. And for me, it's uh, Dirty Dog M E S D A W G, and you can also like us or yeah, like us on Facebook too. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Main Event Status Radio. And I want to thank uh, thank Ferran and Intern Lucas for joining us for about an hour and a half podcast talking the WWE Network. Uh, catch yeah, you guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys. We went longer than Sean and Brett at WrestleMania 12. Totally. <laughs> now I'll catch you guys at the matches. <laughs>